and welcome back to Vox Podcast, the weekly pseudo academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-host Wayne Wise. How's it going, Wayne? Hey, Mav. Just, just the two of us. Oh, it's that's yeah, it hasn't happened. Yeah, it hasn't happened for a while. No, I mean, it's weird. Like every week on the show, we're like, oh, we haven't done this in a while. We haven't done this. I mean, there's just so many combinations. So (laughs) it's always like we're never quite sure how it's going to be. But uh, I hope we've got an interesting topic today. This is something we always say, if you have a topic for idea for the show, you know, send us mail, tag us on social media, whatever. And that doesn't happen all that much. But it did happen this time. So Lee Barker, who listens to the show, tagged me in something on Facebook, an article he read about, I guess, we okay, backtracking a little bit. Taylor Swift was recently in Pittsburgh, where we live. You know, she recently played a big concert here. And then there was an article in the paper basically saying there's a problem where many young fans of Taylor Swift who paid these like thousands of dollars to go to this concert don't actually remember the concert. It's just a blend of euphoria. And they're like, oh, it was amazing, but I don't remember anything. What is she saying? I don't know. And then, you know, they were talking about the psychological reasons for why that happened. And Lee said, hey, what do you think about this? And I'm like, I know nothing, but it sounds like an episode. So <laughs> so you saw that as well, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So I saw that and I'm like, I know nothing. But it turns out I know a psychologist that I can that, that I was able to call and work around her busy st- schedule and bribe her. And, you know, you know, I will say, I mean, I had to provide sexual favors, but I called in some, <laughs> called in some things <laughs> and I was able to score a psychologist for <laughs> I was interested in the topic. <laughs> for the listener, I'd like to welcome my wife, Stephanie, back to the show. My Thank wife. you so much for having me. <laughs> Steph, Steph is a psychologist, you know, and, I, and as you know, now I ha- we're, we are paying her a thousand dollars an hour to be here. So, you know, we're just hoping you forget that by the end of the episode. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not going to forget that. <laughs> that was surprising and very positive. <laughs> She's saying that, but you have no idea what I was threatened with. No, I am drinking a beer. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. This beer, this, that, that was a $2,000 beer. That was beer. the bribe. <laughs> part of the bribe. Gotcha. Yeah. Although I paid for it. so You don't know that. <laughs> you don't remember. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, so Stephanie yeah. is, a, you, I mean, specifically, this is always fun because every time anybody ever brings up a psychology problem, Stephanie goes, I'm not that kind of psychologist. I'm not that kind of psychologist. Okay, I am this kind of psychologist. (laughs) (laughs) So are you excited? However, (laughs) I don't specifically study, even cognitive psychology is broad. I don't specifically study memory, but I do know something about memory. Okay, you study learning, though. Yes. Why is learning different than memory? Well, learning, memory is part of learning, but not the whole. I mean, it's a huge part of learning, but I just didn't know that. You you just said that. You were like, I'm like, well, I don't know. To me, like I, if I remember something, I've learned it, right? Or maybe I haven't. I don't know. How's that work? <laughs> Tell us how psychology works. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, <laughs> why don't we just talk about the uh, the topic on well, the table? I mean, it, yeah. I'm wondering, is it related? Is I'm getting at? Yeah, of course. Yeah, mm-hmm. we have to know how memory works in order because if we're teaching them anything, we're teaching them science. We have to make sure that they learn, <laughs> that they remember what they're being taught. Otherwise, mm. it's completely okay. meaningless. So, that- so I've also, just as an inter- interjection in my background in psychology, that in, in many ways, in teaching, whatever, 
rote memorization is in so many ways the lowest form of learning. Right. It, it's necessary. It's absolutely necessary. But just memorizing something and spitting back facts does not imply understanding of the topic. Right. Or even, I mean, I'm wondering, okay, so you said you know, we have to remember something in order to learn it. Do we, though? Because, like, I'm wondering, I mean. Well, okay. okay, if we're talking about different types of memory here, if, if for, like, for, there's different kinds of memory, explicit memory, implicit memory. Mm-hmm. Implicit memory includes, like, procedural memory, like, muscle motion. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah. So if you're typing and you're a good typer, like I know you are, my husband, <laughs> yeah. is then you do not have to, like, attend to what you're doing in order mm-hmm. to, to perform that. Well, so. so, so riding a bike. Riding a bike is another thing. Yeah, riding a bike. Nobody ever forgets how to ride. Right. Well, but I do. But I have, right? Like, I mean, I, I mean, I can't. I can ride a bike, but I don't know how I do it. I just no, get on the bike to. and I That's go. That's why it's yeah. implicit, right? Yep. And the example I'm always using because typing, like Steph knows, I type 110, 115 words a minute. I type really fast. But ask me to fill out a blank keyboard, I can't. I have to like mm-hmm. sit there and pretend to type words and then say, oh, okay, so that must be where the C is, okay? Because yeah. there's a C in my name, yeah. and like I can do like C H R I S space spacebar. I know that one. M A V E R I C K, and then I'll say, there's no J in my name. Okay. Where where the hell does the J? If I type Jake, oh, okay, it's under this finger. You know, yeah. like that's how I do. If I type Jacob or something, yeah. Like, and I can and just to be clear, yeah, the kinds of things that I study have studied involve explicit knowledge so mm-hmm. things that you have to remember and, and like more complex knowledge rather than this implicit procedural okay knowledge is there, like athletes would do or and yeah. i'm going somewhere with this because i think this is going to be related i'm wondering is there a middle step in between and i'll give you my example okay here's my example wayne when's the first time batman appeared uh detective 27 1939 right. yeah <laughs> okay okay, okay. now semantic we, memory right okay yeah. that's that was the question because wayne didn't like how do you know that do you remember it or is it like i mean it's easier than knowing my own middle name right <laughs> you know like yeah. when's the first time when's the first time spider-man appeared amazing fantasy 15 now there are harder ones like if i ask yeah. wayne when's the first time booster gold appeared that's difficult right but batman spider-man superman these are just things we know right right, right. so yep. wonder one and some of that I think, actual oh, memory yeah yeah i think a lot of that is just the repetition i mean how many books have you and i read that gives us that information mm-hmm. exactly. yeah, I, mean, I mean you and i were just talking you know this project i'm writing not to go too far off but we're talking about joseph campbell's hero's journey and, and my reluctance to write out four pages of definition of it because it's in every other book we've ever read and I can do it from memory. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like just mm-hmm. how many times yep. have we read that? And there's sort of that assumption that everybody knows this, but maybe not. So you need to put it in there again. But yeah. And I, yeah, and I don't know. Cause I mean, that's my question though, right? Like I don't know how to distinguish because I, cause I don't understand. And right. that's why I want to context from Stephanie. Like there's definitely things that I feel like are in between yeah. where I know it versus I remember it versus. Right. Well, and before we get too deep in, in mm-hmm. pushes with that, just to bring it back to the thing that prompted, this concerts or movies or whatever there's experiential memory what we Mm -hmm. remember about our own life it's not short of groundhog day it's not being repeated over and over again like us reading detective comics number 27 right we have this moment you know we remember our lives we've just to throw it out there we had an episode previously that Steph was on where we talked about the nature of memory and how we remember things and it's a different focus in this show mm-hmm. but you know just how you know there's the memories we have or the memories we think we have mm-hmm. we tell ourselves that story so the story we're telling becomes the memory 
as right. opposed to the actual memory. And that changes over time. We're not even aware it changes over time. So mm-hmm. if I'm telling the story of that time, my friends and I drunkenly nearly sank a boat in 1982, am I telling the actual story of what happened or am I telling the story that has developed in the intervening right. 40 years? And I don't, and because there's other things where I'm not, where, where you're like, I'm not sure, right? Like, so even to do with concerts, right? Because this is what cr- prompted this. I've never seen Taylor Swift in concert. I'm pretty sure. But I think you'd remember that. I, I think I would. Yeah, mate. Well, maybe however, you have. Who knows? However, I do know that I've seen P Funk in concert. Mm-hmm. How many times I, have I seen P Funk in concert? I'm not sure. Yeah. Not only am I not sure, enough times that it would be difficult for me to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I've seen them twice. I specifically remember okay. I've seen that, that <laughs> band twice. There are bands in my life that I we've talked before in my, my mm-hmm. concert list. I'm, I have I've attempted to make a list of, and this is going to come up again in this conversation. I've attempted to make a list for my own memory's sake of every concert I've been to with the date, who the opening band was, and the mm-hmm. venue. And some of that is recreating that. I didn't start this project 40 years ago. A lot of us recreating it through having ticket stubs, going to the internet, looking up dates, that sort of thing. And there are a handful of artists where I, in my list, I put things and I saw them at Club Cafe five right. or six times. That's, yeah, that's exactly what I'm getting at. Like, I know. So, okay. So I know I've seen P Funk in concert probably less than a dozen times, but certainly more than five, maybe more than 10. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. I've seen them a bunch, right? I know where I saw them first. I know the first time I saw them was in Cleveland. After I moved to Pittsburgh, I drove back to Cleveland to see them in concert. And I know I've seen them several times since then. But like, I don't know how many and I don't know the order, even though I know that Cleveland was the first one. I couldn't tell you the set list. I could tell you. They oh, right, yeah. Atom- I could tell you they played Atomic Dog. Why? Because they play at every concert. I couldn't tell you if, it's, if it was the first one or the yeah. last one. I could tell yeah. you bits and pieces about it. But like, yeah, Atomic Dog played probably Flashlight. I don't know. Okay, this is weird. I just actually remember that I went to one of those concerts with you that I didn't remember until I was thinking about it, right? Okay, so yeah. yeah. Well, you've only seen them once, right? You've Oh, uh, just once, yeah. yeah so, at the, yeah. the Attic, I believe. Okay. Okay. And, and I've seen and, them at the Attic. I've seen them yeah. at Laga as well. And yeah. Metropole. And <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, well, and I had this, you know, going through, just something reminded me, 90s band by the name of Morchiba. And so it came up, somebody missed, and like, I would never thought of that band again except my brain immediately went, I saw them. Where did I see them? Who did I see them with? And after a little bit of internet research, I saw them open for Fiona Apple at Metropole. So you don't, but you don't, you I have no memory. I figured that out. I have no actual memory of seeing that. Right, I listened just, to the album that came out that year. Not a single bit of it sounded familiar to me. But you're, what you're doing is you're going, okay, I know, I, was I there. vaguely remember that I was there and you're like, and, and because they were, they only played Pittsburgh once that year, this must have been where it yeah, was. Right. Okay. Well, and exactly. And I know mm-hmm. I was at that Fiona Apple show because I do mm-hmm. have some specific memories of that show. Around that same time, another band in that same general category of 90s bands most people have forgotten about, and called Chibamato, who I saw open for L7. Same mm-hmm. thing. I remember the name, couldn't have told you anything about them, don't remember the show at all. Went online, listened to the album that came out that year, and there was one song like oh this song i remember this (laughs) don't remember them performing it but part of what sparked this entire thing is i was looking for some who opened for you know part of my research i saw the band l7 at phoebe in the 1990s and l7 is a band i saw four or five times in different things and this is the one chibamato opened for and i found somebody who probably worked for 
or with a local comic director store that shall remain nameless, had bootlegged <laughs> the entire show on <laughs> videotape, and it's now available on YouTube, so you can watch mm-hmm. the entire L7 show. So I watched it. I was at that show. I, I know really those. Know. Well, no, there, there are images, but watching it from the perspective of somebody else's camera, okay. it may as well have been a completely different show. Because okay. I do have memories of that show. Like, I know where I was standing okay. at that particular show. But it's kind of interesting to see this memory from a different camera angle, so to speak. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I was thinking about that idea before because I was looking at I'm a huge fan of The Cure. And so I get lots and lots of stories on Facebook about The Cure. And they're currently touring the United States right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm reading the comments. And there's are no, they really? You they are. That, yeah, you brought that up in the thing. I'm like, is she just bring up The Cure because it's her favorite? Or, oh, no, 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 yep. And they're yeah. like, everyone is going, well, from what I'm reading here, these people are just going crazy and they're coming. They're, they're, they're no, Nobody people. is saying like the Taylor Swift fans have said that they are forgetting. They are constantly bringing up memories or specific memories of, of the concert. And I'm thinking of, of the current concert of the or current- of all concerts. Because so here's my thing, right? You said that in the thing, and I was curious about that. I was going to bring that up. So she should bring up in the blog, which you should read at www.foxpodcast.com. Stephanie and I wrote a, a call for comments for this, which is which we'll talk about some of the comments we got. But you brought up that you don't hear people saying, "Oh, I don't remember the Cure concert." You hear people saying yes. that about the Taylor Swift concert, yes. and I bought that. And I was like, "Do you really?" Because like you said that, and I didn't realize that the Cure really was on concert. I thought that was just a for instance because you like that band. But now that I know it's you're saying right now yes but the thing is anybody going to a cure concert is an old person i mean and by old person i mean our age okay yeah that is taylor swift their memory should be more suspect than the young exactly exactly no i don't think so though because what i'm so i was thinking what wayne was saying Uh and this all kind of like is forms a coherent explanation is that like if you have like knowledge of the band you know if you're familiar with the songs and like like Taylor Swift, I'm sure the fans are familiar with the songs, but the longer you listen to the music, the more years or decades in the case of Cure fans that you listen to the music Mm -hmm. or that becomes like part of your brain. Right. Mm -hmm. And so and so, yeah, so you even though you are familiar with the songs, I think the extent to which you are familiar with the songs, the number of times you've heard the songs uh, is going to determine how much of it you remember. I live with you. So I know that you listen to the Cure with relative frequency. Right. Like I know you like I mean, and live with you. I've lived with you for a couple of decades right so i know that you enjoy the band i know you've gone to the cure before like this is not your friend i have a drumstick from the cure yeah <laughs> right she's a big fan right so what i'm thinking is like if you are a middle-aged person well you haven't gone to this concert but like no. let's say you score tickets to the current cure concert right you're a middle-aged person going to the hundredth concert of your life to see a band that you really enjoy and who you are very aware they are old people who could die at any moment. You might never get to see them. This again. is true too. Yes. <laughs> uh, so you're so you're so you're viewing this with a different kind of fervor, a yeah, different brain yeah, yeah. than the right. 16 year old who is seeing their favorite artist for the very right, first time. Right. Like it, like it, it is very different. And I'm saying, like, I think it's easy to go, oh, kids today, like you know, because it's Taylor Swift and out of our age range. But I think the same thing would be true 50 years ago, seeing Elvis the first right. time. Right, and that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So how memory works and i think wayne was kind of alluding to this idea possibly but so there's rote memory where you see the same thing enough times you think about the same thing enough times and it's like 
specific fact or whatever, then you're more likely to remember. But there's also episodic memory, which experiential memory, where one extremely important component is emotion. So when you're experiencing something, you have like all of your senses are involved, right? You have smells, sight, taste, well, sometimes taste, yeah, if you're drinking beer or whatever. What were you doing with the cure? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was not. Yeah, I, I was completely sober. And <laughs> uh, but so you have no, all of these. That's not what I was asking. Oh, <laughs> all right. I don't know what you're getting at. But, but anyway, most of the studies on memory talk about like the amygdala and the arousal that you have. That's usually, yeah, the amygdala sure, is. I, I know stuff. Yes, it's like an <laughs> almond shaped little, little part of your brain. It's in both hemispheres of your brain. It's attached to sort of a attached to the hippocampus. The hippocampus is vital for the storage of memories, but the amygdala, when it's activated and you're in some event and you're excited or whatever, then it tags memories, tags experiences with sort of emotional balances. So that makes you more likely in the future to to remember those events. If you are, if you're excited, if you're, you know, if you're happy, if you're scared, all of those emotions will be sort of tagged and you're more likely to remember because of that. And that's due to like some neurotransmitters that are that are produced when you're in those emotional states. So that's kind of like the advantage that you have with episodic memory is this emotional tagging of it. Mm -hmm. And there is a, from my understanding, doing some research, you an inverted U-shape relationship between how emotional you are and how much you are like how strong your memories would will be as a result of that. So, so if you're very, if you've little, very little arousal, you don't care, you're bored, whatever, just sitting there, then you're unlikely to form a strong memory of whatever you're experiencing. Okay. If you are kind of moderately excited and you're, that's, those are where the strongest memories are going to be formed. But hmm. if you're overly excited, then that's the lower part of the inverted U shape. And again, just like if you're bored, you'll have weaker memories associated with it. So if I'm really excited or really bored, it's not good. I want a moderate amount of excitement. Yes, yes. So you, what you were talking about with Taylor Swift fans, these are young people. They are very emotionally volatile compared to older people like us. So they're maybe... Like you. Okay, like, like me, not like a young man like you. Thank you. Of course not. So yeah, so they are, that is more likely to be a factor in forgetting Taylor Swift, if, especially if it's like your first big concert that you've, you're, you've been to, unlike us jaded old folks who have been to many... <laughs> no, I really, I mean, I said that. I really meant this. So I was watching some TED Talks with Steph when she was preparing for this episode. And because I don't, I'm not a psychologist. So I haven't, I don't have the benefit of having read as much stuff as you do. But just paying attention, one of the videos that you watched, a person was talking about, and I guess you'll talk about flashbulb memory in a moment. That's you mentioned on the blog. But she talked about particularly strong, like the flashbulb memories being formed by, she used the word traumatic but traumatic tends to have a stigma of being negative and she was saying it's not necessarily that she's like she was saying you remember very emotional events that you think you remember remember perfectly the example everybody always uses is 9-11 if you were there i mean not necessarily physically there but if you're old enough to remember 9-11 which all three of us are the memories associated with 9-11 feel like they're pretty strong and i'm sure steph will talk about whether or not they are or not in a moment but she said it's also the case with very personal memories like a death in your family mm -hmm. or 
I think she, I can't remember she said the first time you had sex or the first kiss, one of the two, it doesn't, it doesn't matter which one, but she was like, say like your first kiss or something. And then my thought was, I don't know that I actually remember my first kiss. Like I remember my girlfriend from when I was 14, but do I remember my first kiss or do I just remember, you know, a jumble of other kisses that I've had in the intervening 30 something years. And then I'm just like, oh yeah, it was probably like like people say it's like oh you never forget kiss it's always magical and stuff and i'm like is it though or is it like because honestly probably it really sucked i mean i would presume that like i and she though i've not seen her in forever i presume that we've become better kissers in the intervening decades and so it probably wasn't actually even all that great it's just the thing that like is built up because of the special place like are you a romantic person like or when you were a kid, <laughs> were you like romantic and thinking, oh, I can't wait to have my first kiss or were you I just am, like, I see that's the thing. I don't know. I uh, don't remember those things. Uh, and so like, I mean, I imagine there was probably some nervousness. I like, I don't know. I have things that like, I feel like, oh, it probably happened like this, but am I remembering or am I remembering, you know, my 50th kiss with okay. some other girl? Or am I remembering, you know, bullshit stuff that I've seen in like teen movies that I'm applying to myself? Okay, like, so this like, I don't know. Yeah, I, so, I don't really know. Yeah. So this seems like a good time to bring up some things that are associated with memory formation. Okay. And one of them is, are you actually paying attention to the specific thing in your environment that you're trying to remember? I mean, probably, right? Of. Like, okay, so I probably was paying a lot of a troll and good the kiss felt and stuff, but like. I wasn't like, so if I'm in a class and I'm trying to remember something the teacher is saying, I'm paying attention to the things the teacher is saying and taking notes. And But I'm not like, but I'm not kissing some girl that I kissed when I was 13 going, okay, what perfume is she wearing? What's her hair smell like? What are you, like, what color is she? Like, what color clothes was she wearing? I don't know. Okay. And then, okay. So that's, <laughs> I, I, I honestly don't. Okay. I don't remember. You probably were like paying attention somewhat to what I, you were I, doing. I, I sure. do remember she was wearing clothes though. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that I mean, well, is he I, okay? No, I don't remember. I'm just presuming well, I mean, that right, she probably yeah, was. Point, okay, I yeah. yeah, I couldn't describe them if I was asked, right? Right. So, yeah, like, no. so, so I, I'm presuming that clothes were involved. Like, I don't, you know, as talented a lover as I am, I don't think that I was that smooth at 13. Right, right, right. Okay. <laughs> and then another element. So you have to be attending to what, whatever it is to form a vivid memory of it and surprise or some like emotional response during that moment. What you're attending to also uh, what do you mean? helps Su make up. So, like, for, the example of the challenger or the example of a president's assassinated those are surprising events that we normally okay. we don't expect those things to okay. happen you and when they do happen right. that forms like there's where your amygdala comes into play and then releases neurotransmitters to us. you don't know it's coming right so, okay. right exactly yeah so if you're maybe if you're not surprised when you're like you had a girlfriend and you know you're like holding hands and you i don't know i don't know how it happened like well, if, neither do I. In my, my case, I remember. So in my case, <laughs> it, he, like I, there was this dude, like we used to go roller skating and there was this guy, he was kind of like a little bit of an idiot. And he like, we kind of were like seeing each other, you know, how like you just happen to see, I don't know if you, you did the roller skating thing, but when we went, there was like, we would skate with people and then we'd form like attachments, I guess. And then you're like, oh, that's like my, like. You kind of consider them like your, you know, your like pseudo boyfriend or something. I can't even put myself back in that. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but anyway, so yeah, I remember like, and it wasn't, it was actually like, it was not a good experience. Like, it wasn't like a bad experience, but it wasn't like you said, like, neither of us knew how to kiss. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like, I wouldn't call it a pleasant experience at all. In fact, it was probably disappointing, if anything. And maybe that's actually what helped me to remember. And I don't yeah. I give you like details, but I remember that had happened. And I remember say this guy's current address for us. <laughs> oh, no, I, I don't even remember his name. <laughs> it wasn't even. Well, no, okay. So how memorable is he then? Right. Like if you don't even remember his name, like I, I don't know. Right. I don't like people say that they remember. I remember it like it was yesterday, but I do not. I honestly, I just don't. It's a, that feels like a thing that people say. I I, and I, I mean, it's going to sound like I'm being mean, but can I remember specific details of like, of even like losing my virginity? No. Like, I mean, like I know sex was okay, involved. Do you remember when we got married? <laughs> do I remember when we got married? Wait, we're married? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I, well, okay. So, so yes, but how much, but how many details? Like, okay. I know when we got married, I know the circumstances. I know where we were. Yeah. I know who our only two guests were. Right. And do, uh, and okay. So, uh, so for the listener, Steph and I got married at a sushi restaurant. Can I tell you what I ate? Nope. I mean, sushi, sushi. Yeah. I can probably guess because I know what some of my thing. favorite sushi types are. So like, I can probably right. guess it's what I had, though. but like, like yeah. I, I'm sure I had a shrimp tempura roll because I really love shrimp tempura rolls <laughs> and I order them almost every time I have sushi. Not, I mean, so, but this could have been one of the weird times where yeah. I didn't or where they were out. I don't know. See, I, and I so said, we, and I know we talked about this on that previous episode. I have, and the people in my life sort of will confirm this. I have a really pretty remarkable visual memory for events and faces. There are things, and once again, I know a lot of it is just a movie I've created in my mind of these events. But and it's not specifics like the clothes someone was wearing or whatever. But places, locations, most of the concerts I've been to, I know exactly what venue it was. I can kind of picture where I was sitting or standing. And you know, that's not true with movies and stuff like that. But with interactions with people in my past, I, it just really, really, and there's a certain synesthesia to it as well. Like I can not only see it in my mind, but there are elements of this that I feel mm-hmm. just physically, you know, textures and that sort of thing that I can remember. And in my discussions with people, that seems unusual. So I do think I have a really good memory for things. But once again, I'm not convinced it's all completely real or just right. you know, me elaborating on the things I do remember or you know, building on top of it. I, yeah, you know, I don't know. Right. But there okay. are certainly events and things that I will mention to people like, oh, my God, yes. How do you remember mm. that? Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's sort of what you were saying is you sort of remember key bits of information. Is that a fair way to... Say, yeah, uh, yeah, key, oh, yeah. I think the flashbulb memory thing that you mentioned in the blog is a good way of doing that. Flashbulb memory stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, the original flashbulb memory term usage was from a 1977 article by Brown and Kulik. And actually, Kulik is a. If it's the same Kulik I know, he does a lot of work in in learning too. They actually took advantage of. There's always a like a, a good side of tragedies. So they used the assassination of John F. JFK to test people's memories. And soon after the assassination event, they asked people what they were doing, like key things, sort of like actually what Wayne was talking about, like, where were you? How did you find out? Who told you? How did you feel about it? 
and also some what they call idiosyncratic memories. So those are the more peripheral memories, not the sort of essential parts of the memory. So they asked people what they were and people reported like vividly, of course, like remembering like they were shocked, they were surprised. They had this event had all of the elements that like we would expect that are going to contribute to strong, vivid memories. And one of the key attributes of flashbulb memories is people feel very confident that their memories are accurate. So if you go back to these same people like a year, several years later, they will still be highly confident that their memories are accurate. So yeah, so the flashbulb memories are just was originally coined because the psychologists assume that these actually their memories actually were very accurate depictions of what happened, like a, you know, like an actual photograph. But they found out that more so than the persistence of flashbulb memories was people's confidence in their memory. So their uh, flashbulb memories were actually changing. They weren't like photographs. We all we know now. And it's Wayne was mentioning now, every time you think about a particular memory, you are actually being constructive and you are depending on what else you're thinking about or what is in your environment. Those might actually become part of the memory that you that you originally had. It's not like you pull something from storage and you keep doing that every time you recall it. That memory keeps changing over time. So they actually found that people weren't so accurate at recalling what they were doing right after like these events happened. And they found that the peripheral stuff is my need to verify this, but my like it's a little confusing about like the different references that I've read, but they found peripheral memories were even less accurate. And even the key parts of the memories were were prone to being like to revision from thinking about these throughout. So it would first people thought, actually, I remember as a grad student when I was in a memory class and we were talking about flashball memories and the, the instructor asked, oh, do you think that flashball memories are just like a specific, a different type of memory from ordinary memories? Or do you think that it's just sort of part of a continuum of how memory works? And I think I was like the only one that said, I think probably just a continuum of mm-hmm. <laughs> memory. Not for any good reason at the time. But yeah, it turns out that they that flashbulb memories are because emotion was such a key part of it and they can remember, you can more strongly remember with emotion than people feel like they like these are like special memories. But it turns out that they are still prone to forgetting just like mm-hmm. ordinary memories of like what you had for breakfast, things like that. Why so that that memory, that visual memory kind of thing. I and another personal anecdote of something that just happened recently that ties into the different ways we remember things. So I'm reading a autobiography. There's a band I was into in the 80s and 90s called Jazz Butcher that me and six other people heard of. I was really into the Jazz Butcher. Many more people, because you've mentioned yeah. him on the show. So yeah, like, right. Right. So, oh, so, right. so, so like 12 people have now heard of him. So, <laughs> but then you, over time, the singer's name was Pat Fish. The Jazz Butcher was essentially Pat and whatever group of musicians he happened to gather together at the time. And uh, autobiography came out that is also a rambling album by album, song by song. This is what was going on in our life when we were recording this stuff. This is what I was thinking when I was writing the songs or whatever. Anyway, he gets to an album that came out in 2000. He toured America with that, with most of his original band. I saw him twice on that tour, two nights in a row. I saw him in Erie, and I saw him at a warehouse on the north side of Pittsburgh. And there's a picture in the book that is just him on that tour with the band. And I saw it and I recognized it as the bar I saw him in Erie because I recognized the curtains from the photos I have from that show. Right. And it's not referenced in the book where this is at all. You just, I, location. I, yeah, I know the location because I've seen this picture. 
And they're like, oh, that's cool. Look, it's one of the shows I was at. Made the book. Yay. And I sent the picture to my friend Fred, who was with me at that show, who confirmed that. And Fred's like, oh, that was the beer mug in Erie. Like, I wouldn't have been able to come up with the name of that bar for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And Fred, who claims to have a far worse memory than I do, remember the name the beer mug from 23 years ago. Just, yeah. So I find that kind of fascinating. I remember being there. I remember who I was with. I couldn't tell you the set list. I could, like you, Mav, I'm absolutely certain he played Party Time because he never didn't play Party Time. Right. Except, well, yeah. like, like, if you ask me, do I remember the Taylor Swift concert three weeks ago? I don't remember right. it, but I remember she played Shake It Off. Yeah. And I, right, <laughs> I don't right. know because I wasn't there, but like, yeah. you know, it's her biggest hit. So I'm just going to assume that she played it. But or, I, or she is a jerk. Right? But, you know, I can picture like where we were sitting in that bar. I couldn't find the bar. If we drove to Erie now, if it still exists, there's no way I right. could find it. Right. But I can sort of picture the interior. You know, I can mm-hmm. picture who I was there with. And just I can picture us talking at our cars after the show before driving back to Pittsburgh. You know, So just those little snapshots. I, the other thing I find with my memory that I find fascinating is certainly because of the media culture we live in. A lot of my memories are very definitely my point of view. Like I remember this is the way I saw things, but a lot of other things I'm like witnessing it from outside myself, like it's a TV show or a movie. So, and that's obviously not the way I experienced it. Transcribed it in I've your brain. Turned it, I've turned it into a scene from a movie mm-hmm. in my memory. Yeah, I do that. I don't know if this yeah. stuff has science behind it, but like, but yeah, there are a lot of. There are a lot of things that I don't even know. How, the best way I can explain this, and this is going to make sense to Wayne, and I don't know if it makes sense to Seth or any of our listeners. Sometimes I remember stuff for real. Sometimes I remember it the way I would draw it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, like, it's, and mm-hmm. I can't explain it any better than that. Like, it's the, or photograph it, or like, sometimes I remember it from the director's point of view. And that's just. Sometimes there's overlap. You know, there's just at random. So I'm thinking about my, the Edinburgh days and the people I knew then when I first met them. And that's a case of where I've talked to the different friends of mine who were there at that time and us comparing memories of that era and what we did and what we didn't do. And I, I remember a young woman who was a really good friend of mine at the time, and she had the lead role in Twelfth Night. And just me going to the show with her on opening night, walking across campus, just holding hands as friends. And, like, I can picture where we were and, like, her standing beside me. And I feel her hand in mine. I also have the cinematic version of us walking past the lake on campus mm-hmm. from a distance. You know, the movie version of that scene. And those two things overlap. And mm-hmm. one of them, obviously, is not the way I saw it. Right. Yeah. I don't. So. Ha- I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Why that yeah, would be yeah. the case. And some of that, I think, is just you, know, Mav, and I, and other artists people like this. Yeah, artist <laughs> brain. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If, probably. You've probably seen like scenes like that. Right. And so you're. And, if I were going to film this or draw it in a comic, this is how I would frame this it. This is how I would okay. do it. Yes. Okay. That is, makes yeah. sense. It's very, yeah, there's a lot to my memory that is, this is how, I mean, <clears throat> it, and I, I mean, I really can't explain it in any other way other than it's the point of view of the director in the movie slash comic well, that is my life. And some of that, <laughs> if, I, if I'm telling someone that story and I'm describing right. it, I'm seeing it. They're going to be seeing it from outside my eyes, you know? So I think when I'm telling the story, I'm creating that other point of view scene because that's when I'm telling the story, it's becoming something else for the person I'm telling it to. It's also how I remember things. There's a lot of, for me, a lot of the way I remember things is like giving myself key details and then I just reconstruct the story. And like, it's sort of, and I mean, I don't know how to, and I don't know what Steph will say there. I don't know any other way of saying it other than that. Like I just, 
list. Like, yeah, I uh, yeah, along I, the way. There's been like many times where, well, okay, just one example that springs to mind is we went to a friend's house for a party. And then when we were, I forget if we were coming or going, but you insisted that I was there before. <laughs> and I was never at that friend's house before. And it's like you, you sometimes make up things in your mind to make a story kind of make sense. And maybe it's along the lines of what you're talking about. Like you were definitely reconstructing. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. You've been everywhere I've ever said you were. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. My memory is flawless, Tyler. <laughs> yeah, I, well, and and that, that wasn't a great example. And that, that memory she, she's, remember, she's remembering some other boyfriend who, no. <laughs> who misplaced her at um, a friend's house. <laughs> so but that memory for details and that image, memory for images, visual memory and that sort of thing. So there are people who, I, as I've said, I'm a very visual thinker. I, my memories, I conjure images in my mind. And apparently there are people who don't do that at all, which boggles me, but okay. And Mav, this is a story that involves you. I remember you and Jamil being in the store and we were talking about just costumes and superheroes and, you know, the, the things we talked about yeah. in the store. Yeah, and that's exactly the story. And, you know, me, and me talking, and this, uh, thankfully, this talent has faded in the last 20 years. There was a time, just I'd spent so much time in the world of comics that for most of the mainstream superheroes and main characters, you mentioned me a character and I told you and Jamil that I could you draw and reproduce the costume with about a 90 to 95% accuracy. This is just in my brain. And Mav, being a smartass, suggested the Wasp, who was in a different costume every time she appeared in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And I promptly drew three of them. Because yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, and that's, and that's. And did you check them for accuracy? I would also, I wouldn't yeah. need to. Yeah, right. Mav uh, would need to. And for the most part, I was on. I mean, you know, there'd be little details. Oh, right. the, the belt buckle was wrong. Okay. Right. But those are artistic details that, like, you know. It, it, Jack, Jack Kirby then, would draw them differently in the same then, issue. Right. Yes. Right. Or, well, I was going to say, you know, Jack Kirby draws things differently than Steve Ditko does. Right. And, right. And just, yeah. It's yeah. fine. Well, maybe, like, yeah, yeah is is artists. So you probably yeah. do pay attention to those details. Yeah. Very, yes. Yeah. Very, very much specifically. So. Yeah. Very much. Yeah. Particularly, particularly with something like comics or movies for me, like there, there's a lot that, uh, that like I, I, I said the example, do I remember the Kennedy assassination? No, it was a decade before I was born, but I feel like I do like in my brain, the, in my brain, the Kennedy assassination footage is as resonant and real as the challenger explosion or nine 11, mm-hmm. because even though I saw two of them, I didn't, it's not, I wasn't at any of the three, but I saw two of them happen live on television. Right. And then the third one I've seen as many times as I've seen the other two. So, like, I don't know how much I distinguish them in my mind anymore. And that's the Kennedy assassination. Me being 10 plus years older than you, I was alive when that happened. I was a year and a half. Right. My brain tells me I remember, like, I can picture standing in the living room of the house I grew up in in front of the TV and not the assassination, but the funeral. Like, I can picture the flag break coffin and that stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, that's footage I've seen a million times since then. Right. But I. I, You're saluting the coffin and all that. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so I, but this is something that I've, like, my memory has told me I have remembered this since I was very young. Like, in my teens, if you'd asked me this, I would have said, yes, I saw that. 
But I was a year and a half. Now, the only thing I can think of is that there's things that I do think when you're young in particular, the things that stand out in your memory are the things that are different. You don't remember the routines. You remember the things that break the routines. And the surprising things. Yep. Yeah, right. So I think that day, you know, that was on TV instead of Captain Kangaroo. Right. Therefore... But How I, dare but, you? Right. <laughs> but I have no idea if I actually have that right. memory because of how many times I've seen it since then. Yeah. So since we don't know about you, Wayne, Mav, does it feel like an actual memory to you, the assassination of JFK? I don't know how to answer that question. Does it feel like a memory? I, I mean, does it, I don't know. Does it feel like the same kind of, like, is it as vivid as like your memory of the Challenger? Sure. or? Okay. I mean, I, I mean, is there an emotional connection? Not as much so, because I didn't know. Like, I don't remember JFK being president. He never was for me. Right. But like, I, I mean, I don't know how to like the Challenger explosion. I was a big space freak when I was a kid. So like, I was super. I watched every. So you were watching TV before you knew that it was going to explode. You were watching. I watched. It. It. Yeah, so I, saw, I, I saw that live as well. Um. I so so okay. Can I tell? I can. I know for a fact that we were off school that day. I think maybe we were snowed in. I don't remember if we were snowed in or if we were or if we just hadn't gone back from actually we should confirm this with you ask your mom my mom wouldn't remember because it wouldn't have been as it wouldn't have been as notable for her like like i know for a fact that that we weren't in school probably it was a snow day because i know that it's mid-january so we should have been back from we should have been back from christmas break but we were home i watched it at home um so and, 80, and I, 87 88 yeah so, yeah 86, 86 i think it was 86 january okay. 86 <laughs> as in sixth grade i see now tra- question was it seventh grade no it's 86 it sixth grade and i was home it was in january i don't know the exact date without looking it up but i know i was home i know i was watching it on tv as i watched all of them because i was a big space freak and it's like oh shit <laughs> that's not supposed to happen and it's and you know and i can hear in my head i can hear them saying we seem to have had some sort of major malfunction i'm like well yeah that would be and then and then and i know enough about space and i know like steph knows for instance i have a space shuttle flight manual in uh, on in our basement that i have an actual manual because i was super into this stuff as a kid so yeah it's obviously a major malfunction and then well, well you know we don't know if there's any survivors no we do like i knew enough to understand what was going on it's like but, that is a cat yeah. Catastrophic explosion. I also know enough about how it works. So, like, there's an emotional connection to me. Plus, there was an understanding of how the vehicle. I had done literally two months before that. I had done a major project for a sixth sixth grader project on space shuttles, like in December. So, like, was like was Mm -hmm. like my term paper. So, so I was like super into it. In in which that in which I used that manual that I have, which is signed by a couple astronauts, that I used that manual as part of the as part of my presentation. So I knew stuff like that. And I was into it enough that there is like some kind of emotional connection, I guess. But mostly what I remember are the same visuals that you have both seen a million times Mm. of the explosion and the two pieces going in the opposite direction. It's what I put on the blog. That's how I see it in my head in exactly the same way as I see one particular angle of the towers falling, which, you know, I watched that on TV, just like each of you and anybody old enough to remember it who's listening. You saw it on television and and that's how I remember it. The Kennedy assassination, I see the same way as a news plane in my head where, you know, they're they're riding down 
in the convertible waving and his head bounces back and forth and then there's a swerve so like i remember it like that but i know i wasn't there because it happened 12 years before i was born so i know Mm -hmm. i didn't actually watch it Mm -hmm. but i've seen it so many times that like in my head it's the it occupies the same drawer in my brain that like challenger explosions and 9-11 explosions go in okay so i don't know how to explain and that was around the same time that you had your first kiss or what was the time frame of that (laughs) no i don't so that's the other thing i don't know exactly when my first kiss is i like i said that i heard like can i say for sure who my first kiss was no because there were a couple different girls i dated around then one more than one time so i don't know which one i kissed Mm -hmm. you were too into the space program and not into girls enough no i know that i've okay so the person i'm not going to mention names but i know that at the time the person i think my first kiss was with i certainly enjoyed kissing her see that's another (laughs) thing like they they claim that both positive and like it doesn't matter whether the like the experience is like highly positive emotionally or negative emotionally that it would I it really seems to me that negative or surprisingly negative experiences no, are more memorable. Uh, I don't know. Although, it could just be that, me. Although no, in the middle of a trauma, you know, you have a car accident and people don't remember details right. of what happened. So there's sort of that blackout thing for a lot of traumatic right. experiences. Yeah, which, I was gonna, which I was going to make the joke about, well, that explains why nobody can okay. remember Taylor Swift concert. Right. But, uh, you know, I don't actually, I don't <laughs> no, actually believe well, actually, that. Actually, yeah, uh, that's, yeah, that's that high end of right. the inverted. But yeah, to answer your question, I mean, I, I remember, like, I remember, I certainly remember details about kisses like I've only seen I've only seen two space shuttles explode in my lifetime. I've seen it happen more times than one. And one of them is much more memorable. Everybody remembers the first one. Everybody, What's the other one? See, there you go. Yeah. The, space exploded in, the second space shuttle exploded in 2000 and double check it for me. I'm, gonna, so I'm doing this from I'm doing this from memory. 2004. I will check and see if I'm right. Space shuttle explosion. Okay, well, it's auto-completing, so that's a good sign. Yep. Am I right? Oh, Michael Cabbage and William Har- Harwood released their... Oh, wait, no. The Columbia... What, you, what, year, what year is it? What year is it? Eight, it's uh, 2003. It's 2003. I was okay. off by year. Yep. 2003, okay, the Columbia exploded coming back. Challenger exploded on the way up. Columbia exploded on the on, on the way down with a rapid with some kind of rapid cabin depressurization. Yeah, no, I don't even remember that happening. Yeah, well, no. but see, see, people forget. But I actually, so there you go. I remember the second. Okay, because that was kind of during the Iraq War time, two thousand and. I mean, it was 2003. 2003. It's two years after September 11th. Or it's, it's, well, it's more, it's February. So it's more like a year and a half on September 11th. So we're just bombarded with a lot of stuff going No, on. I think that people just don't care as much about the space program anymore by 2003 as they do in 1986. Well, because of what else is going on, probably. I mean, that could be no, we were No, we were also bored with it. Like that was, it was, so again, this is, and see, and I think this is, I mean, this, I don't know if this is boring for the, the audience or not, but I think this is my, this is sort of the point that I'm making. I'm enough of a space nerd, and I'm not even, I'm not as much of a space nerd as I was in sixth grade, but I'm still enough of a space nerd that like I watch these things and the problems with the space race right now, the privatization of it is that it's really hard to get the uh, the general public excited about it as it was when we were okay. trying to send yeah, them to the not, moon. Not, so, yeah. so it was hard to get funding and stuff right. and it was like people didn't, when the Challenger exploded, the reason anybody was watching it, I was watching it because I watched all of them, but the reason it was being carried and was being watched by so many people was it was supposed to be the first civilian in space. They sent Krista McCullough up, up on the ship. She was a school teacher. And so they were playing it in all these schools as sort of a, hey, this is something special. We're sending like a regular person up oh, there. Oh, it was a 
That's right. It was a teacher. So, right. so of course, teachers are more interested because it's one of their own. Well, no, but also the entire point of it was we the reason she was sent was to bring eyes to this thing. Right. I remember it because I'm a space nerd. But like most people did not care even by 86 because they like the first it's sort of the, if you've ever seen the movie, the movie Apollo 13, Apollo 11. Everybody's like, we're sending a man to the moon. Apollo 12. Wow. We're sending a second man to the moon. Apollo 13, eh. <laughs> you know, until the explosion happens. Mm-hmm. And then everybody's like, oh, shit. You know, but like same thing with the Challenger. Like we were people were only paying attention because it was a regular person was yeah, going up right. ra- rather than like just more yet more astronauts. And then the explosion became notable when the Columbia blew up. It was, oh, another space shuttle blew up. Why are we still sending space shuttles to space if they keep blowing up? And people were like, maybe we shouldn't be doing this anymore. And not realizing that, you know, no, it's just that space travel is inherently a dangerous thing. But like my point being, it wasn't like your inverted you thing, right? Like it wasn't all that exciting to me. Like space travel was boring people, was starting to bore people in 1986. We've already had people killed in right. this same scenario. Right. By 2003, mm-hmm. nobody cares about space travel. And like, if it happens again in 2023, it's been 20 years since since Columbia blew up. Like, and like you, neither of you even remember that it happened. So that's my point about memory. It's mm-hmm. like it's only relevant to me because I'm weirdly in the space stuff, and I'm not even. And I got it, and I was off by a year. I thought it was 2004, and so even being a space nerd, it's only slightly relevant to me, and I my memory wasn't perfect on it. Okay, so. you feel a stronger memory with the first to the 86, right? Okay, right, because it was the first time. I it was the first time I got to see a space shuttle explode, yeah. which is I mean it's a tragic thing, right? Yeah. And I but like even like I don't want to downplay like the good things, right? Like like to say that like I don't remember my first kiss. No, I I remember like so the person that it was probably with, okay it was I know it was with one of two girls because I know I'm just not sure which one I kissed first, but either of them I kissed several times and I quite enjoyed it, <laughs> right? Like I like do I remember and the same thing like to say that I remember any specific sexual encounter in my life, not starting with loss of virginity through anything, right? Do I remember any specific one? I mean, somewhat, but mostly also I've had sex a a gajillion times and like how much, you know, like, like, it's not like they're not special and there are certain times which might be more memorable, but like, can I name a specific date? Well, can you forget, Steph forgets our anniversary a lot, but she knows the day if I ask her right now, Mm -hmm. or do you? Yes, it is November 2nd. See, she's working 2012. She didn't remember that. She figured it out. Coming up on our... Yeah, I have a mnemonic, okay? I know, like, I know there's ones and twos in it. Right, but that's my point. She didn't remember. She doesn't remember it. She worked out when our anniversary it was. It doesn't matter. No, like, when, when, I put, oh, like, no, the I'm effort not, into, like, I'm not, a mnemonic. I'm upset about it. I'm pointing out. I'm not upset about it. I'm converting it back to our discussion on memory. Like, you're saying, does it matter? I don't know. You're the psychologist. Tell me. Does okay. it matter? <laughs> so, so, so to bring them back, why aren't the Swifties remembering their concert experience? Right, right. Isn't that the same, isn't that the same thing? Yeah, right? actually. Like, so, like, another, yeah, another interesting thing that, so when we're talking about that inverted U-shaped curve, so we had an interesting comment by somebody saying that when they went to the concert like one thing that struck them was the crowd seemed to be pretty dense or compressed is the word i think Mm -hmm. she used and then she was thinking throughout like the entire concert that 
there if there was something like something to, some emergency that happened that this is from emily doherty um, court. oh thank you that mm-hmm. she would have been screwed over so there is that yeah there is that kind of like stress <laughs> that was yeah because yeah. it didn't really make sense to me why there would be negative emotions associated with it you know going to a concert of someone that you love but yeah if it's and all of her concerts have been are sold out right right pretty much yeah, yeah. so and if you're not used to being in that environment it, and it, cost, it cost you a fortune i mean like yeah, right, all of those you, things. you have to sell your kidney in order well, to go well yeah right. i think the average ticket i found was like 240 no, but those are the original the yes. resold tickets yes they were so. it, it was uh, taylor, t- taylor swift there were many problems that's also without without ticket master fees we're not clear. It's possible that a lot of those people were paying like a thousand bucks to be right. there. And so, yeah. so, so yeah, you're already under, in my opinion, you're already under some trauma. If I've paid a thousand dollars for anything. It better yeah. be good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Stressed out expecting. It. Yep. Yep. But, I'm, but also we're old. Yeah. Like, like, and I say that like jokingly, I mean, you know, I'm a young man, you two are old, but we're old people to who have been to enough concerts already who you know like like my favorite bands growing up are fucking dead like, <laughs> you know, like, I am, i'm still occasionally checking off some boxes of some of those old things right. that i didn't go see back in the day well but um, my but, point being like even with the even with, like i just the idea of spending a thousand dollars to see anybody yeah like no, I agree. like like, right. like literally any band that i'm a fan of if you're telling me like okay you can go see you, you can go see rihanna for a thousand dollars do i get to be on stage do i get to kiss rihanna like will you remember kissing rihanna sure better but like those are like literally i don't like i can't i'm a huge p-funk fan i cannot imagine paying a thousand dollars to do no. i mean again uh-huh. and things i remember i absolutely remember the time that i got to dance on stage with p-funk i remember that too yes, actually that was at the yeah. one concert <laughs> See, and that's what well, too. Uh, yeah, what I mean. The I most got to be on stage. So the, any other chance? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> actually, most... that might be a false memory that I have. <laughs> no, you were there. <laughs> was that the one that? That's you were... the one you were. Because I can't. Okay. Are you sure? It's the one you were. It's the one you were. I don't yes. remember if it was like you telling me about no. it because, like, if it's a vivid, if I can vividly I'm... imagine it, then it's no. easier to think of it as a memory. I mean, often, yeah. uh, often at P Funk concerts, pretty girls get to dance on stage. But I went to one P Funk concert, the one that the one that Steph went to. I went in cosplay as Cerno's Devoido Funk. They they often have a they often have someone portraying Cerno's Devoido Funk at a concert, but this was a smaller venue. It was a smaller concert. They had no Cerno's. So when they played Flashlight and we we were in the front, we were in the front row. They saw me dressed up and they invited me up on stage with the pretty girls to dance. So very good. Yeah, the most I ever paid for a ticket was Nick Cage here in Pittsburgh, and I was on stage for that as well. So. Got my money's worth out of that. So, I don't but, think that was the concert I was at, Matt. It was. It's the it's the one was. where I had the where I had the cape. And I, I, you've only gone once. I know because you because I know which venue. Because you, <laughs> you when you just said it was at the attic, it's the only place I've ever seen them that small enough that they wouldn't have had us or notes. Trust me, if you right. like, if yeah. you remember the like, it's I've only right, seen maybe, them once. Maybe. I've only seen them one place that was small enough that it would have mattered to have. Like okay. I only got to do it because it was a very small venue. So, but see, that's weird, right? Like, like it's memorable. To, it's memorable to me specifically it's even memorable to me well no, <laughs> regardless I, of whether i was actually there or not no well but <laughs> <laughs> my 
point is, I've seen P Funk twelve times. That's not the first concert that I went to, and I can't even tell. I, mean, I said twelve. I don't know how many. I've seen them yeah. a bunch of times. It's yeah. not the first concert that I went to. The first P Funk concert that I went to, and I can't tell you which number yeah. of P Funk concerts it is. Yeah, but I remember that one because it's the one that I got to be on stage. Right, right, right. right like right. that's what definitely makes it, if you're personally involved. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what makes More it. Notable. That's what makes it. Now I remember, like I like, what do I remember about the first one? The first one was the biggest version that I've ever seen because that because oh, they I got, saw two P Funk concerts with you. There was also one. Oh, now I don't know if this is a false memory or not, but one maybe you were just telling me about this where like like people were smoking joints. And, you weren't there. That was the first. And then one I someone saw. passed out or something. Oh, that that was with um, like a kid passed out yes, and like that was a different. So okay, so to be fair, people are smoking joints at most beef funk concerts. Yeah. <laughs> just want to make this clear. The there is a kid. You didn't go to Mike Higgins, who's been on the show and oh, our, was- uh, our former roommate. Mike and I went to see P-Funk perform in the park and a kid was smoking a joint and passed out and peed his pants. Yeah, peed his pants. I remember that. You weren't I remember there. you telling me yeah, that and that, I can visualize that. Was that the Hartwood Acres show that I decided not to go to yes. at the last minute? Yeah. Yep, yes. I even knew it was Hartwood yeah. Acres. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so, that's very I, surprising. Yeah, right. I don't know why I, may, I missed that. But that is a specific one I remember because like, but like what was memorable? Like, could I tell you what what set the band played? No. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure they they played Flashlight. I'm sure they played Atomic Dog. Anything else is right. a blur. And again, it's just because it's right. because they play it's those a, two songs at every show. Yeah, and it's a blur um, for them too. So right. What I remember <laughs> is the peeing himself in the front row. That's what yeah, I remember. The front row. Oh yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's not really seats. It's a, it's yeah, a concert yeah, yeah, in the park. Yeah. So you, you know. just don't, you're always in the front row for Keyfound concerts. I'm as close as I can get. Yeah. I mean, like I love the band. Uh, you know. <laughs> That's fine. So yeah. so yeah. So like yeah, this kid like passed out and was and then was just very embarrassed and everybody's like yeah well it's not good you could say to the kid he's just no, like you, you, after yeah. no. and, and he was just like <laughs> not the he was there in his own p-funk yep so we resolve nothing <laughs> oh wait can i like tell one no, like yeah. one yeah. like please so this is yeah. from one of the uh, this is like a personal experience but this is just like a really interesting story that I just wanted to talk about. So in one of the one of the shows that we were watching, like this really famous psychologist Schachter. Actually, I have a book of his that I read like ages ago. Oh, he was the guy with the big head. There was sure. a panel discussion and there were like five different psychologists mm-hmm. and he was one of them. But he told These are this, the exciting things that Stephanie watches on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. So he told the story of he had a, a psychologist friend. And this psychologist friend was like, as far as he knew, he was like a really great guy. Everyone loved him. And then at some point he was accused of raping a woman. Oh, yes, I did. Okay. okay so then, yeah. So the police go to his apartment or his house or whatever. And he's just like shocked. He's like, I didn't rape anybody. What's going on here? And so it was just crazy. So it fi- they find out, and I'm probably missing some details, but so they find out that the woman, so he, oh, so he had like a really great excuse for alibi, alibi for yes, this. He doesn't have a real excuse for raping somebody. He has an, an alibi. alibi. Thank you. <laughs> Edit that. <laughs> okay. So his alibi was he was giving a live TV interview at the time that this woman was raped. Yes. So he was, and he was on TV at the time that she was raped. So what actually happened was the woman was actually watching him on TV when I guess someone came to her apartment, someone burst into her, burst apartment. Into wow. her apartment and raped her. And so then she, yeah, so she, when I guess she's the sketch artist, I guess, or, I don't know exactly that he didn't he, really he say did, he didn't exactly how. 
According to the according, and this was a secondhand thing, but the guy said basically she glued the two memories together in her brain yeah. because of the trauma. And so they and they asked him, like they asked her, "Who did this to me?" And he and she was like, "Doctors." And they're like, "Who?" She's like, "He's a famous psychologist." And they're like, "Okay, they went and arrested him." But like because they knew when she was raped. And he happened to be live on television right. in, in another city. They're like, this could not have been him. But like she was only able to. But the my understanding is it was the trauma probably that yeah. made her conflate these two things. Maybe. Were- yeah. Well, he's like he has like a bunch of different common memory errors and misattribution is this one that mm-hmm. he's. Yeah. He didn't really get into whether it seems like trauma would be would like okay. be more likely to have this, you know, would cause this kind of error. He didn't get into that. But the point is that absolutely. I mean, they know for sure that he wasn't there. Yeah. Right. But then they also said that, you know, it's almost it's like lucky that it was a live thing because if it were if she had been watching a pre-tape of him, what would have happened? But I mean, now, again, this is not he doesn't know this woman. There's no reason for him to have, you you know, it's just he just it's just because she was involved in obviously the most traumatic portion of her life, you know. And he was front and center part of the memory. Right. I mean, it could be home. that she wasn't able to remember the face of the actual rapist because of the trauma she was experiencing right. at the time. But bef- because she was watching before it happened, right. she was able to consolidate that as a memory. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I and I think you know, any of us, you know, two hour concert, two hour anything, we don't remember all the specific oh, no. details of our life. No. You know, no. I think there's also something in there with you know peak experiences. If you're in a heightened state of excitement for whatever, you know, you're it's experiential, and when you come out of it, you're not in that experience anymore. You know, it's always going to be a, you know that you're never going to be able to recreate that heightened experience. So some of that lack of memory is just. You are no longer in hmm. that frame of mind. That's so what you do remember doesn't feel like what it felt like when you were there. So you feel like you're not remembering something. And I think some of that is just you know, that heightened state, you heightened state of awareness. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, there's also, I mean, just I would say some things are, you know, just a very I don't want to say importance because that, that sounds ro- wrong. But like we, we were talking about this unrelated. We were talking about this recently in our chat room. Wayne. There are frequently times people will mention this show, episodes of this show of which I've been on the majority of them. Yep. And people were like, oh, somebody recently complimented the episode that we did on dissertations. And I'm like, we did an episode on dissertations? See, I even <laughs> remember that. I, funny. I, I wasn't on it. <laughs> yeah, I, and I have no, and I was like, yeah. and I was like, okay, and I was like, for, you know, thank you, and now I have to go and search through the podcast feed, and it's like, oh, look at that, we did an episode on dissertations. <laughs> I hosted it, I mean, and so I went back and listened to it. Uh, Wayne, I was on it, Hannah and Katya were on it, and we had Carolyn Salvi as a guest. Monica ah. couldn't make it that week. I had, I mean, and I listened back to it, and I was like, yeah, that was really interesting. I learned a lot about <laughs> me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I honestly I do not remember recording that yeah, at all. Well, and we've um, done so many of these at this point. You more than the rest of us. Right. Yeah. And I know you something else you, that pops up mm-hmm. every once in a while. One of us will suggest an idea for a show. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, we did that. We, we, oh, did, yeah, that we did that. Right. <laughs> There was one where somebody commented on Facebook and they tagged me. They tagged me. It was like, they were like, oh, look at this. This is a whole article about discount Halloween costumes that aren't the real thing. And I was like, that would make a great episode for a podcast. We should do that. And then she's like, you did do that. That's why I'm tagging you. It's like, we did? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah it's, you're not alone. Howard Stern is always mentioning, oh, I don't remember this. 
other people do. Yeah. And it, it's, I mean, it's weird because I, then there are other things that like, I, you know, I, it, the other show I do, it's easier to remember specific details about which gosh golly wow show them in order yeah because they're in order and because they're not really about my they're like their topics are related to you know issues of excalibur that i read 15 years ago (laughs) you know you know so there's something to associate them there's media to associate them with but i don't remember specific details from that show either i just know that i've done the topics yeah i remember details from claremont burns x-men better than i remember what was going on in my life at the time Right, right. And I some, wonder, of that, some of that is rereading, you know. Well, but also, I mean, I think that's like sort of the thing with the concerts, right? Like what sets an impression is based on concerts, songs, movies, comic books. They work in narrative structures that like it's easy for because I yep. know how narrative mm-hmm. patterns work. I'm always saying you have a better memory for fiction than real life. But I don't. Yeah, I, just, no, I mean, I just like like it's really easy for me to remember narratives that fit narrative patterns because I only have to remember specific details and then I can reconstruct everything else. Mm-hmm. So it's why do Shakespearean plays rhyme and why are they an iambic pentameter? And it's so that it's easier for the actors to memorize the play. And so like I am I, it's easy for me to memorize things that have conventional narrative structure than it is for me to memorize things that are weird. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, yep. That's your schema. Okay. I don't know what that means. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like you have a general structure for how it works. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That And that's it. And so like I can do like it, I, like it's sort of like I don't even need to have seen it. Right. Like so it, it's a part or trick. Right. Like you'll remember Steph remembers like M. Night Shyamalan movies like like me knowing Sixth Sense like 10 minutes in me understanding oh I see where he's going with this the, you know Sixth Sense you know he's dead I can tell like how can you tell because I just like no one's talking to him like it's it there are camera tricks being used there are story conventions being used that like I understand where the story's going even though I have not seen the rest of the story yet same thing with his movie the, so, so your clue was that he wasn't talking to other people and then that clued you into oh wait this he wasn't talking to other people oh he's wearing the same outfit that he was wearing before okay oh, so you pay only, attention to those details no I'm not paying attention to them I'm just noticing yes. okay noticing is you have to pay attention no. to notice no I don't that's my point so you're, <laughs> it's, it's more uncomfortable yeah, it's, yeah. it's entirely me. If you're, it's unconscious. How would you know that you're doing it? <laughs> I can't well, explain it any better than that. And I had the same experience with that movie. At no point did I say to myself, he's not talking to anybody else. He's wearing the same clothes. But I came okay. to the conclusion of, you know, oh, right. he's dead. Okay, so it was he's implicit dead. at the time. Yeah, yeah. I said, okay. Right, yeah, no, there's oh, things I was able to see later. Right, I was able to see them in the middle, but only, but I wasn't trying You're like, to. something weird is going on here, and then oh, you kind of okay, figured out that. Yeah. Respect. Well, okay. So I'll give you the easier one the, in the scene. See if you remember this because we went and saw his movie. This is a memory thing. See if you remember. We went and saw The Village in the theater. You and I did. And we sat down and I know the opening shot for The Village because I went, oh, shit. And you're like, what? And I was like, I don't want to say. And you're like, what? And I was like, give me, a, give me a piece of paper. And and you're like, okay, just whatever. And I, you got a piece of paper out of your bag or your or your whatever you gave me a piece of paper as a pencil. And I wrote down, and I wrote down, it's not the past, it's present day, and that's what we're going to find out at the end. And I folded it up, and you're like, what? And I was like, I'll show you later. And we watched the movie. And that's how the village ends. And I wrote that down 10 seconds into the village. And you're and I showed you and you're like, how did you know that? Just you, because the, 
camera made like a big point of showing the, the dates. The camera, the opening shot of the village is a kid's funeral and the camera pans over and it sticks on the kid's name and his, you know, birth date. For fi- a birth, little bit too long. Yeah, birth something. date 1575 to 1581 or something. So like, oh, he died at six years old. I don't remember what the years are. Like, I can't even remember what the years yeah. are. But the fact that it hovered over them for just too long for my liking. Yeah. It was like, okay. it, it made me go, they really want me to realize this happens okay, in the past. Okay, interesting. Because you have like memories of how seen enough movies that you know how long they hover over that kind of information right yeah and so and like and the thing is when i go to a movie i'm explicitly trying to not pay attention to shit like that like like when i'm watching something to teach it when i'm doing when i'm working because i'm you know because i'm either gonna i'm either gonna write an article about something for a book or i'm teaching it to students or something like that i engage with it in a different way than when i'm just Hmm. trying to sit down and enjoy something it's a different kind of watching it's a different kind of same thing when I'm reading a book too. like mm-hmm. reading a re, close reading is a different kind of brain work for me than like just reading for enjoyment. Like I just, I, it's slower and it's hard, it's hard to say, yeah. it's hard to explain how something can be slower no, when no. you're watching. Like, like even when I'm watching a movie, it's a slower process. It's a more active paying attention yep. than it is when I'm just like trying to sit down. Like yesterday we went to the movies and I'm not trying to do, yeah. to dissect this movie. I'm just trying to enjoy it. Uh-huh. So it's actually kind of annoying because Sixth Sense, I wasn't trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, if my brain starts going into that mode to where I'm analyzing and I don't want to. Because it, it ruins it for you, right? off the bat it ruins the movie yeah. and it's actually and annoying. it's distracting for fellow watchers oh no i make things better <laughs> <laughs> so i'm like i mean it gives me a clue too like oh i should be like paying attention to something here yeah yeah and then yeah and then when it's at home it's worse because then stuff because then stuff will pause it and be like what am i supposed to see i'm like no, just watch the movie like in a movie theater you can't you can't pause but like i can try yeah <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, thank you for working these things. I mean, I feel like I learned some stuff. It's, you know, I don't, I wonder, hopefully it meant something to the audience because we, you know, we bounced around a little bit, but I think I understand a little more of how these things work and how the brain works and. You know, I'm sure we'll do yet another episode, or if we forget, we'll just do this exact same one again. It doesn't, yeah. <laughs> It'll be better next time. <laughs> no, this was fun. This was fun. No, it was and, fun. And, and yeah. actually informative, at least for me. I don't know. No, it was informative for yeah. me too. Oh, yeah. did you learn something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every time you talk, yeah. Every time you talk, you reconsolidate your your knowledge. <laughs> oh, you mean you talk? Oh my god, because I'm like I didn't really say anything. <laughs> no, you did. Never. But anyway, thank you for joining us. Stephanie, yeah. is there anything you'd like to plug? No, not really. Just uh, just give us comments on what you thought of this episode, I guess. <laughs> oh, thank you. All right. Not, and not, Wayne. Not, not that we'll remember them. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne, anything you want to plug? Nope. Nothing this time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You can follow me, as always, on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or also apparently Threads blue sky and mastodon you listened to us last week we're talking about the fact that you know does twitter exist today who's to say i mean it's gonna go away any day now it's gonna, twitter's just gonna disappear and who 
knows? But I'm on all of the socials, always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show on most of the socials at Vox Popcast. It depends on which one. Some I haven't gotten around to creating an account yet. Some they took our account away from. I don't know. Look for us. If you enjoy the show, and we certainly hope you do, then please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher this week, except for Stitcher's going out of business, so you won't be able to subscribe to us on Stitcher. This is a very hard outro to do. (laughs) But, you know, Spotify or... Google Vox yeah. Podcast yeah. and see what yeah, comes there up. Yeah, there you go. Find, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Find a pop if, if Google's still around. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, find a podcatcher to Don't subscribe use to our, our show on. No, please <laughs> use Bing. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. You are old. <laughs> I wonder if I, how, okay, let us know in the comments if you know what Ask Jeeves is. <laughs> I remember. We're all old. We're old here. Lycos or shut the fuck up. Anyway, <laughs> if you do us a favor, please leave us a five star review on whatever podcatcher you're following us on, especially if it's iTunes, Apple Podcasts. That gooses the algorithm, makes us more popular, and really helps us out. I would like to thank Maximilian of Thought for Music for our epic theme song, building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd once again like to thank Stephanie for joining us. I'd like to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.